What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of the DFS Dose live stream. Double serving here is episode 189 of the podcast. Going to be doing something a little bit different this week. Usually, we just release the audio podcast on Mondays where we recap our results and go over some of the interesting stats and storylines from the week. But today, seeing as we have a nice two-game slate with a lot of money on DraftKings to be won. We're going to just briefly talk about our results from yesterday and then focus on this two-game slate. Two games, we got the Vegas Raiders traveling to Cleveland. We've got the Vikings traveling to Chicago, and uh, we'll, we'll hit on all aspects of that slate. If you're new to the podcast, new to the stream, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can subscribe to us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream every Saturday evening. Also, our Discord channel is open and available to join. The link to do that is in the description of the podcast. Joey, how uh, how did you do yesterday um, on what was arguably one of the most brutal days of fantasy all, all season? Yeah, I mean, from a DFS perspective, it was whatever. I really didn't play that much. Uh, didn't play much cash besides a couple head-to-heads because the slate was just so bad and just didn't really have any care to play yesterday. Uh, played a couple GVPs. Didn't win, which is unfortunate. But the cash line that we both ran or would have run I, I I mean I ran it a little bit. I mean you you were uh you know out doing whatever, watching some good old football, mm-hmm. but it would have cashed. It scored 128 points. The line was uh Kyler, J Rob, Gaskin, Deontay, Gabe Davis, Devontae Parker, Evan Ingram, Cowboys D, uh Devontae Adams. So was good enough to get a cash yesterday, which is always good, but unfortunate that we didn't really play much, but shout out to a uh, shout out to prize picks for, you know, coming through for me. Won, won a couple hundred bucks over there and nice. Yeah. Looking forward to tonight too. Yeah. I, I did not play any uh, cash yesterday. I mean, I, I played a couple of tournaments, but I just knew that I was going to be out all day. You know, team smell the roses went to go see the bills uh, play live, got to see Gabriel Davis score a touchdown in person. You know, that was fully erect in that moment. So shout out to Gabe uh, smashing the slate yesterday, third highest scoring wide receiver on the slate. Obvious, obvious play. I hope everybody listening jammed Gabe Davis into their lineups, stone cold lock at 3,700 yeah. on DraftKings yesterday, but yeah, I mean, I got washed in tournaments. Uh, I only played like three lines. Two of them were Dak Prescott doubles, which fell flat on their face. Um, tough Standard. scene having a, having a cash lineup that would have cashed and not running it. But, you know, uh, it is what it is. I knew that I was going to be out, wouldn't be able to really focus on late swaps, and I just didn't want to put myself in a negative EV position. So, you know, it is what it is as far as that slate goes. But I am going to be playing this slate tonight. I think that this is actually a pretty interesting slate uh as far as these two games we have yep two game slate we have the browns and the raiders at five o'clock and then the bears and vikings at eight o'clock monday night football and you know a lot of these plays are are going to be high owned um there's not a lot of options on this slate especially with the browns being down a bunch of players they're on their third string quarterback and nick mullins you know, they're down Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry, and a couple other players. So that spot doesn't look too enticing. And then you have the Bears secondary. They 
don't have one single starter in their secondary tonight. So Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, if Adam Thielen can't go, are all in smash spots. So it's going to be a fun slate. Um, Got to just discuss it and you know figure out how we're going to win 500K. That's that's the top mm-hmm. prize tonight, and that's the goal. That is the goal. We'll go game by game here, and we can start off with the first game, which is the Las Vegas Raiders at Cleveland. This game has a 40.5 total right now. Raiders are two-and-a-half-point road favorites. And you referenced it with Cleveland, but, I mean, the big story, the whole reason this game got postponed is because of their COVID struggles. They have 22 players on the COVID list as of right now. Ten of them are starters. They don't have a head coach. Um, You know, Kevin Stefanski did not clear the COVID protocol today. No Baker, no Case Keenum, no Landry, no Hooper, no Kareem Hunt. And that just leaves Cleveland's offense fully dependent, in my opinion, on the backfield duo of Nick Chubb. Andy Ernest Johnson. I think that, you know, they're going to be responsible for any offense that Cleveland's able to generate, which may not be much as the Browns have a 19 point implied team total lowest on the slate of the four teams. Yeah. The scoring expectation is pretty slim for the Browns with Nick Mullins at the helm. Uh, They are getting back some of their offensive linemen though. So that does Mm -hmm. bode well for, the running backs and the Raiders are one of the worst teams against the run on the season. If I take a look here, they are giving up. Let me see. They are giving up over a hundred. They're giving up over a hundred rushing yards per game to opposing running backs, which is bottom 10 in the NFL. Uh, they're giving up about 30 DraftKings points to opposing running backs uh, a little bit over 29. So it's a smash spot for, Nick Chubb, it's a smash spot for Dearness Johnson. Obviously, I have more interest in Nick Chubb as he's the workhorse there. Uh, but this is looking like a, a spot where the Browns want to come out and you know get the run game established. But with all their injuries and you know all of their uh, COVID guys on, or all of their COVID guys not being available to play, I think they could get down in this game. And if they get down. It's going to be a tough scene for for the Browns pass catchers, but it is a good spot because we know the Raiders secondary is not great at all. So I think the big question is, are you going to be able to trust any of the Cleveland Browns pass catchers? Are you going to be able to trust Nick Mullins? He's forty nine hundred on DraftKings and all of their pass catchers are cheap. You know, DPJ is like their main guy. He's going to be heavily owned, but he's forty two hundred Richard Higgins is the min price. Anthony Schwartz is the min price. David Njoku is 3,600, and he is going to be a popular option at tight end this week. I mean, are you interested in any of these guys on the Cleveland Browns offense, you know, save uh, Deontay and, and Chubb, or Dearness and Chubb, I should say? Um, I mean, not really. I think DPJ is a pretty easy fade at yeah. his ownership. I mean, he's going to project well. If I, you know, pull it up, I mean, he's going to be what, like 40 to 50% owned, one of the highest owned receivers on the slate. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have much interest in the Browns passing game. I do think, like, on prize picks, Nick Mullins' line is 175 and a half. I think that is kind of low and he could easily beat that. But I, I just don't want to be bullish on the Browns mm. in this, in this spot. Although, you know, like I said, it it is a pretty good matchup um, for the Browns. So, 
Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, we were talking about it a little bit before we went live. Anthony Schwartz at the min price is pretty interesting. Yeah, he's 3K. He's going to be the wide receiver too. He cleared concussion protocol. He is questionable, so the injury report should be out at 3:30. So an hour or so, and we'll have uh, all we'll have all of that information then. So that will dictate some decisions, but. He does have like the skill set and the athletic profile that you think could bode well for, you know, a home run play mm-hmm. as a, as a long shot in these large field tournaments. Um, he runs a four three, has a great speed score. His comparable is Curtis Samuel, and all it takes is one long touchdown, right? And and we know that the Raiders' defense is capable of giving up long touchdowns. Um, to these fast receivers, you know, that they play one every single year in Tyreek Hill and just get burned. Obviously, Schwartz is not as good as Tyreek Hill by any stretch, and he's probably going to be out of the NFL within like four years. But on this slate, as a stone punt, um, on a slate where there's not really many home run options, I think it, I think it's worth a shot. But, you know, the, the projection is probably like two points. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he's projecting literally for 0% ownership. So, I mean, you, you luck box into something big with him and you're going to be set up really well in these large field tournaments. And, and I mean, we're really just focusing on this from a tournament perspective. I'm not playing any cash on this slate, nah. but, um, you know, just trying to find ways to get different on the Raiders side of the ball. I don't know how you feel about these guys. You know, Darren Waller is still out, which is going to push Foster Moreau into a full-time row uh, role. Hunter Renfro has become literally like the sole player that the Raiders have been targeting in their passing attack. And we've traditionally viewed Renfro as like a high floor, low ceiling option, but he has three consecutive games on DraftKings with 22.2 DK points or more. And it's a good matchup against the heavily depleted Browns defense. Um, I don't know. I'm not really expecting Renfro to slow down this week. 6,500 seems like he should be in line for another double digit target performance. And I, I really like Renfro this week. I think he's hard to get away from. Yeah, the price tag is just cheap for a player that's going to see like 10-plus targets. Waller's still out. Brian Edwards is a non-factor. Zay Jones is a non-factor. Deshaun Jackson is a non-factor. And we know Carr is just locked on to to Hunter Renfro. So I think he is a pretty solid play. Uh, You could probably expect at least like 12 PPR points, 12 DraftKings points, I should say. Uh, with upside of like 24, 25. And I, I think he's one of the best plays on the slate. Obviously, the, the concern is a uh, game script. If the, if the Browns can't keep, or if the Browns can't keep pace with the Raiders, um, if for, for some reason, but the spread is only three in this game. So Vegas is projecting a close game, even with a third string quarterback, uh, for the Browns offense. So if it's a close game, if it's a tight game, Hunter Renfro is 100% going to get there. And it's that simple. Yeah. Um, I think the bigger question is how we're going to be handling Josh Jacobs. He's projecting as one of the top three running backs in terms of ownership on the slate. You can save 1600 off of Nick Chubb to go down to him. You can save 2200 off of Dalvin cook to go down to him. We know the receiving role has been growing, although Jalen Richard is activated from the COVID list and could slip in and steal some of that. Yeah, I think 
that's some quietly impactful news is mm-hmm. the Jalen Rashard uh, getting activated off of the COVID list because we saw the last time he was healthy, even with Kenyon Drake healthy, he was starting to come in on some pass downs. And I think that hurts Josh Jacobs receiving upside just a little bit. I love Josh Jacobs under 27 and a half receiving yards today, uh, especially if the game script works in favor of the Raiders where they're just going to be running the ball in terms of DraftKings, He's 6,300 on the road. Um, you know, I'm always inclined to, to fade Josh Jacobs. I, I think his upside is just so low, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, for him to, to hit his ceiling, like you, you really need either multiple touchdowns or, or you need an outlier receiving game like how he had in week 13 where he had a career high nine catches, which I don't think is going to happen in, the, in this spot. So if there's one running back I'm fading on the slate, it's probably Josh Jacobs. Mm. Yeah, I, I think Jacobs is a decent fade, especially at – ownership i mean it's tough like cleveland's so, like so depleted this could be a pretty good game script for for jacobs but like you said it's only a three-point spread you know this is a west coast tra- team traveling east um i don't know I, I don't think it's a great spot for either of these teams and for that reason i mean this game i think is a lot less interesting than the late game which is you know setting up to be the more popular game deservedly so we've got minnesota traveling to Chicago. It is a 45 and a half point total. The Vikings are six and a half point road favorites. And obviously the story of this game is that, you know, Minnesota is going to have the two highest owned players on the slate, Dalvin cook and Justin Jefferson, rightfully so as the, you know, these are the inarguably the two strongest plays on the slate at the respective positions, running back and wide receiver, highest yeah. ceilings, highest floors. How are you looking at these two guys? And the question of, of playing them together, I think is the big one. Can you do it? I mean, yeah, you, you kind of have to on the slate. And just touching on tight ends, we kind of skipped over it. Um, mm-hmm. Just going back to the, the other game real quick, I, I think you're probably picking a tight end out of this game for GPPs. I think Najoku, out of the Browns game, I should say, not the Vikings. Uh, Najoku, Moreau, and um, Harrison Bryant, I, I think, are all pretty solid plays. I think I prefer Najoku. I think he's going to be a top three owned tight end on the slate, but he has the athletic profile and the upside that we want. Um, He's probably worked with Nick Mullins quite a bit, you know, both them being backups and 3,600. It's a, it's a good price tag for Najoku's upside. So I definitely like him. And I I think Moreau is, is a good pivot too at 3,800, but just wanted to mention that we didn't talk about them. Uh, those are the best tight end plays on the slate, Najoku and Moreau. But agreed. Jefferson and Cook, I mean, both great plays. You you gotta play them. Um, like I said, Bears, they're missing every single starter in the secondary. Then if you take a look at their front seven, Roquan Smith, questionable. Akeem Hicks, questionable. They're already down Khalil Mack. I think they're already down another guy on the on the defensive line, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Goldman um, and Mario Edwards. Yeah. So, yep. So the Bears defense is just absolutely depleted right now. It's a smash spot for the Vikings. It's a smash spot for Kirk Cousins uh on the road in, in Chicago. And the hope is is just that the Bears can do enough on offense 
to push the Vikings to to score and you know let these guys hit their ceilings, which is I think the only concern. But it's a good spot for Justin Fields too. It is. I mean, Chicago's offense, it seems like it's undermanned on on paper without Allen Robinson and Marquise Goodwin, who have played a big role for the team, but neither of them have really done too much, you know, especially Allen Robinson being one of the most disappointing players in fantasy this season. So, I mean, they're going to be rolling out a trio of wide receivers. That's Darnell Mooney, Jakeem Grant, and Demir Bird. Cole Komet should work in there um, as one of the primary pass catchers, but I don't know, man, this, this Chicago offense, do you think that they're going to be able to push Minnesota at all? I, th- I think so. Minnesota's defense just has not been good recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they, they've given up, they've given up a lot of points, a lot of yards to opposing quarterbacks. To, uh, Justin Fields is projecting the best out of any quarterback on the slate. He's only 5,300. So just a very cheap price tag for a player that is capable of rushing for a hundred yards in any game. If, need be uh, I think he's probably a good bet to go over like 200 passing yards he'll probably have a passing touchdown or two so at 5300 it's kind of hard to get away from him uh, especially if you're playing cash like he's the stone lock in cash but in GPPs I mean we've seen games this season where Fields just falls on his face completely and as the clear-cut highest stone quarterback I think that it's probably a good bet to bet against Fields and and just play Kirk since Kirk is going to be lower owned than Fields, but his skill position players will be owned. And, you know, if if uh, like Osborne and Justin Jefferson are, are hitting their ceiling, Kirk is probably hitting his ceiling as well. Um, So I, I kind of like fading Justin Fields in tournaments, but it's a tough fade. And uh, they're like... The, the reason I think that you play Justin Fields is I don't, I don't think any quarterback is going to separate on this slate in a meaningful way. So you might as well just save the 1500 from Kirk mm-hmm. to Fields, right? Like if Kirk gets 23 and Fields gets 18, you're better off playing Fields. Definitely. For what it allows you to do in the lineup. I mean, you're, you need to save salary somewhere on this slate if you're going to be playing both JJ and Dalvin Cook. I don't know who my priority between the two is. I lean Dalvin just because of all the injuries that we mentioned. And we saw him come out and he was just absolutely on fire in the last game that he played uh, going up against the Steelers, 27 attempts for 205 yards and two touchdowns, just absolutely obliterated them after supposedly being limited with a shoulder injury. Uh, That was Thursday night football. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, which get, which means that this is like 11 days. 12 days out since then. So he should be even healthier. Alexander Madison's not in this game. He's going to be a full blown workhorse should get every touch in the backfield. And just, I I don't think that Chicago's defense is going to be able to stop him. So I I, I don't think there's any risk of Dalvin cook getting scripted out. Whereas they just may not pass that much. If, if they're up in a meaningful way in this game, which could make it hard for Justin Jefferson to pay off his 8,500 price tag. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you go, on a, on, a, on a traditional main slate, if you play Delvin Cook, you're probably not playing Justin Jefferson. But on a, on a two-game slate where they're both projecting as two of the best plays and two of the highest home plays, obviously you could play them together, and you're kind of just betting on the Vikings' offense 
being a juggernaut in this spot if you play both of them. But obviously from, you know, uh, a GPP leverage perspective, it would make sense to play Cook and fade the pass catchers, um, especially if you're projecting Cook to hit his ceiling. You know, the way he does that is through yards and, and touchdowns, which takes away yards from Kirk, Justin Jefferson, Osborne, etc. Like I said, two-game slate, though, you could definitely do it, but it, it makes sense to fade Jefferson if you go Delvin Cook in your lineup, but it, it's a tough fade for sure. Definitely is, definitely is. But, I mean, in terms of leverage, which we can get into leverage stacks and long shots here, I think that that is one of the best ways to get leverage. Just fading one of these players. You know, if you're playing multiple lineups, I'd probably fade them equally. Um, Maybe a little bit of a bigger fade on Justin Jefferson. But I do think that right off the bat, if you're only playing one of these guys, you're getting pretty contrarian just by doing that. Yeah, uh, just you're giving up so much projection if you You fade one which is yeah. the the tough part on a slate like this where there's not many good plays. You kind of just want to jam in um, who you can and then make a, a couple pivots. Uh, like, at, let's say your your flex or your wide receiver three spot. Like, those are the are the spots to get different. Not, you know, with Justin Jefferson. Not with fade, fading Justin Jefferson and, and Dalvin Cook, two of the best plays on the slate. And, you know, that's what you have to do in, in GPPs on, on two game slates is you don't have to get crazy and have to get stupid and play bad plays like, like Demir bird, you know, and, and Anthony Schwartz. I mean, you can do it. It makes sense, especially in the lottery tournaments, like the 500 K to first tournament or Deshaun Jackson or, or Zay Jones. Uh, you don't have to do that. You could play up near close up, op, uh, close to the optimal and make a pivot or two. That, that makes sense for your specific lineup. And those two pivots, especially let's say if you leave salary on the table, that's always viable on a, on a two-game slate, uh, and that's going to be unique. Those That's all you really have to do. You don't have to sacrifice you know, crazy amounts of, of projection to get different. Let me ask you this in terms of the top four running backs because there really are – you know, really just four viable running backs, unless you consider Dearness Johnson, who I like as a, as a pivot, like you mentioned. But I mean, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, who are you most likely to be fading in your tournament lineups? I think that Josh Jacobs is my favorite fade. You know, you mentioned West Coast team traveling East Coast, five o'clock game. Um, Browns did get a lot of players back on the defensive side of the ball uh, off of the COVID list. And I think Josh Jacobs floor is the lowest out of all of these guys. So I would just bet against Josh Jacobs in the, in this spot. Um, David Montgomery. I mean, I don't know how you feel about him, but I think David Montgomery's floor and ceiling is a, is a little bit higher than Josh Jacobs. So I would, be more inclined to play Montgomery instead of Jacobs, but I agree. I think that it's a bigger possibility that Montgomery gets scripted out, although he has seen a really increased role in the passing game lately, but you know, I mean, this could be a spot where if they get down huge, they're going to have to start depending a little bit more on Justin Fields, where I just don't think that the Raiders can get down huge. 
against this depleted Browns secondary in Nick Mullins. You know, I mean, I think at worst it's going to be a close game. Yeah, I, I agree. And Vegas has the uh, Vikings Bears at a six and a half spread. So I, I think that's fair. Um, I think the Vikings do win. So if you're projecting a, a Vikings winning game script, you know, you could fade David Montgomery on that thesis. But like you said, he is being more involved in the passing game. And, you know, if he gets seven, six catches from Justin Fields, he'll probably get there. Uh, it's just whatever combo you play is really going to determine your running back core, right? Whichever two you pick. And obviously Cook and Chubb are, are the best. But I think you play one of Cook and Chubb and you play one of Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery. Like no, Cook. No, you're not about that Dearness Johnson life? No, absolutely That's not. That's crazy, man. I'm expecting with Nick Mullins in there and this depleted receiving core that they're just going to depend on the run. Like they want to run the ball. We already talked about how bad Raiders run defense is. I think that, you know, Nick Chubb can get out there and have, you know, his 20 attempts and Dearness Johnson can touch the ball 10 plus times as well. I like the Vi- uh Houston likes the Vikings minus six and a half. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um I mean I I don't know, man. I, I don't want to sacrifice like ten points in projection to play Dearness Johnson when he's five hundred less than David Montgomery and nine hundred less than Josh Jacobs. Like if he was four K, then yeah, I'm all for it. But at 5,400, they they price this man as if he's like a low-end starter. And he's a backup that's probably going to get five to seven touches on a good day. Mm-hmm. And if the Browns get down, it's GG. He's right. not doing anything. So just in terms of projection and, you know, it's not opening up your lineup. Like, he's still expensive. And on this slate, I don't really see – a necessity to play Deer and Shanson. Like I'd be more inclined to play like a Damian Williams if I'm really just punting it. And even then that's something I would never do on this slate. I'm playing Cook, Chubb, Josh Jacobs, and David Montgomery, and that is it. So if you're differentiating then at wide receiver, who do you like as a long shot play at the wide receiver position? I mean, we talked about Schwartz as just like a dart throw. I don't really love it, but I can understand it. I think if you're just looking for like ownership leverage, I think it's Jakeem Grant at 3,800 leverage off of Mooney. Uh, we, we can, or we saw his like athletic ability on display last week. He's able to break those long touchdowns. Then you get the dual uh, threat of him returning kickoffs and punts as well. So maybe he luck boxes into a kickoff or punt return for a touchdown. You get those six points. And at 3,800, he pairs well with Justin Fields. He's going to be the wide receiver, too, with A-Rob on the COVID list. As you could see here, I mean, goddamn, 4,100 for Allen Robinson. She's how the mighty have fallen. But <laughs> 3,800 at home against this Viking secondary seems really good. So I, I kind of like Jakeem Grant as the dart throw option. Yeah, I think that one of Jakeem Grant or Demir Bird are going to be in the winning lineup. You know, 
I like, I've always liked Demir Bird as just an athletic guy. And, you know, in weeks, not, not last game, but in the previous two weeks, he was averaging six targets per game. Last week, he had a long touchdown, uh, over 50 yards for a touchdown on Demir Bird last week after Robinson went down. So I don't know, man. I, I kind of like Demir Bird as a, a punt at 3,400 this week, but they're, they're both highly shaky. But, you know, if you're, if you're doubling up Justin Fields, I think that you put one of those two guys in there with Mooney. And that's how you do it. I wouldn't play Cole Komet. He's projecting as like the highest owned tight end on the slate. And he hasn't caught a touchdown at all this entire season. You know, Jimmy Graham is the tight end that scores touchdowns there. I mean, Cole Komet is on an 18 game streak of not catching a touchdown. I'm not playing him as the highest owned tight end on the slate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, probably not. So I'm fine with fading Cole Komet. Um, I'm fine with kind of just going light on the bears to be honest uh darnell mooney justin fields are projecting to be two of the highest owned players on the slate and i think you know in, in terms of ranges of outcomes there's probably like a 30 to 40 percent chance that justin fields falls flat on his face once again you know we've seen it in about 50 percent of his games this year obviously it's a great spot they're at home vikings defense has just been getting decimated recently but there's always the like in term in terms of probabilities, like he's still a rookie quarterback on a bad team with a bad old line and a bad head coach. So True. It, it makes sense to go a little bit lighter on fields as the highest on quarterback. But like I said, you know, quarterbacks don't really separate that much. So it's a tough fade there. But I would be fine going lower on D Darnell Mooney. Cole Komet as you know three of the of the highest owned players on the slate for sure Houston is asking about uh Osborne if if he's sneaky or not I don't think he's going to be like low owned there's not going to be too many low owned plays on this slate but I think he's a solid play and he's not going to be as highly owned as you know like the top tier guys um you know he might be like he's going to be 40 40 plus percent yeah which he's, I mean that's okay he's just cheap as fuck yeah, he's way, way too cheap. He's he's priced as if Adam Thielen is is you know in, and yeah, it looks yeah. like he's doubtful at best. I mean, yeah, Adam Thielen didn't practice all week. Um, game time decision. He's not officially out, but I I, I would think that he's gonna miss this game. Yeah, played ninety two and eighty six percent of the snaps. We already talked about the Bears not having anybody left in the secondary. Jalen Johnson, Tishon Gibson got placed on IR and. You know, their other starting cornerbacks are uh, both hurt. I think both of them are ruled out for this game. So it's a good spot for the Vikings passing offense. Like, realistically, they, they should just not run the ball. Like, the, the Vikings have a good front seven with, like, Michael Pierce and Delvin Tomlinson and Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. Like, they, they got the, they got the uh, players to stop the Vikings run game but they don't have the the players to stop the Vikings pass game. Um, so if Mike Zimmer was a good head coach, I don't think he's a good head coach. If he was, I think that a pass heavy game script would be the ideal way to play this matchup. But Delvin cook is obviously going to get a bunch of run. And I mean, the, the two targets in the, the Vikings pass game are Justin Jefferson and Osborne right now. So he's a, mm -hmm. he's a great play 4,500. 
how many Vikings is too many Vikings? Like, can you onslaught, you know, Kirk, JJ, Osborne, like Conklin? Like, is, is it three too much? Is four too much? I don't, I don't think that there's a such thing as too much on a two game slate. I think you can full onslaught because if the other offenses fail and these are all sketchy offenses, then, you know, you could get there with a, a four Vikings build, I think. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for sure. Vikings have a 26 implied team total. The Browns and the Bears both don't have over 20. And the Raiders are at 21.75. And so you can easily see them going under that, right? Like, yeah. they're trash. So, by onslaughting the Vikings offense and just getting, you know, all of the pieces, Kirk, Dalvin, Justin Jefferson, Osborne, makes a ton of sense of the world when you, you know, want to onslaught the team in the best spot with the highest implied team total in a great matchup against a team that has no starting secondary players. Mm -hmm. And it's unique as well. Like how many people are going to play four or five Vikings? Not many. And, and for what it's worth, they have a pretty consolidated offense too. Like, yeah, you know where, yeah, you know where the ball's going. Yeah. Conklin might get a little bit, but He's 4,200, and there's better plays below him. Moreau, Najoku, Komet. So Conklin is an easy fade, I think. When you got Najoku, who's in the – I think he's in the best spot on the entire slate. Um, And just a a quick fun fact, Nick Mullins threw the ball 299 times last season. Only 5.8% of those passes went 20-plus yards down the field. So this man does not push the ball deep, which kind of hurts the Anthony Schwartz dart throw call because he's the the deep threat guy that that you want to hit a home run. I mean, obviously, he could still get there on, you know, like a screen or or whatever, but that looks bad with Nick Mullins. But, you know, who's going to be just roaming the middle of the field every play? David Njoku. Uh Mm-hmm. I don't hate that. I also like Higgins, who should primarily run out of the slot, and he's also min price. Yeah, okay. And gonna go. I think, I think we got to pivot to to Higgins from right. Schwartz as our as like our uh, long shot GPP. Like and we've Higgins. seen Higgins do it before. Yeah, I mean Higgins is okay. Like he's not a bad wide receiver, I don't think, and he should be. You know, sort of just slotting directly into that Jarvis Landry role. You know, you'd expect DPJ and Schwartz to be playing on the outside. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't hate that play at all. Yep. So Higgins and Najoku are my favorite. Uh, kind of like, well, Najoku is going to be on, but Higgins is my favorite uh, long shot, like cheap wide receiver. And then Jakeem Grant would be my second. All right. I mean, I think that about covers it now. Yeah. I mean, who's winning the Millie or not the Millie? Who's winning the 500K? Surprised they didn't do a Millie. I am too, but. I don't know. Um, who's winning it? Who is winning it? I don't know. I think that... I need a I need a, a stack. You know, three or four players and a bring back. Well, I think the stack is probably the Kirk Cousins double or onslaught even. So you're you know you're running like Kirk with JJ Cook Osborne. You're bringing it back with Jakeem Grant. You got Njoku in this lineup. You got Higgins in this lineup. Sounds like a winner to me, bro. And like, 
Chubber or Chubb if you could get him. Well, maybe. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe Jacobs then if you're playing in Joku and Higgins, maybe, maybe Jacobs. But yeah, I mean, if you play Higgins in the Joku in a defense, uh, and like Osborne, like that should be more than enough salary to fit everything. Yeah. So you could always flip that into a Justin Fields double with, um, you know, like Mooney and, and Grant as well. I think that that's probably my favorite to to run is is the Vikings onslaught, um, especially since like the the Bears guys are going to come with so much ownership as well. But I also like doing that, doing the Vikings onslaught, but with Justin Fields. Yes. And go naked. Or you could play him with like Jakeem Grant or Mooney or whatever if you want to just do like a little mini stack. But I think Justin Fields is cheap enough at 5,300. You know, we've talked about this over the season where those cheap rushing quarterbacks have the upside to reach their ceiling, especially on this four game slate with Nick Mullins at quarterback and Derek Carr. Like Justin Fields is really only competing with Kirk Cousins to be the highest zone quarterback on the slate. So at 5,300, if he gets 20 points, stone lock, like you're, you're going to need him. So you run Justin Fields. He has the upside. He's cheap enough to where he doesn't need to carry people along with him to a winning score. So you play him naked, onslaught the Vikings. I, I, Cook, would, I would push Jefferson. back that if you're, if you're playing three-plus Vikings, you need Fields to do something. But that – plays into this lineup construction but run it no but you have the rushing upside too right which is which is part of it if he gets if he gets 50 rushing yards and a touch and a rushing touchdown that's 11 points right there and if he does a little bit through the air he's going to score 15 plus yeah you know 18 yeah which is really what you're hoping for if you play him naked um and obviously somebody could get there along with him that's why i said like a mini stack as well like Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney, and that's it. Like Fade, David Montgomery, Cole Komet, et cetera. Uh, I wouldn't run a Justin Fields double, 100%. Okay. I'm only playing one receiver with him. But I also love the naked. You know, you get exposure to Fields at a cheap price tag, great upside, especially on the ground. And then you get max exposure to the Vikings, the best team total on the slate. Are you going to be playing any... Car or Mullins? No. Yeah, me neither. I don't. I just don't see how they separate in a meaningful way to warrant playing them. No, I agree. Like, I I think Kirk Cousins does have like thirty points in his range of outcomes. Like he he does have games where he can separate from these guys one hundred percent. So that's why I kind of like Kirk, but 6,800 is expensive, especially if you're playing Justin Jefferson and Delvin Cook with him. And Fields, I mean, Fields is, you know, probably a better fantasy option than Derek Carr. He's 900 less, and he's only 400 more than Mullins. Like, if Mullins was like 4K, that'd be better. But he's 4,900, and Fields is literally right there. And we've already seen the upside and, and floor from Justin Fields. Um, so I, I really think that I'm only going to play fields and, and Kirk cousins. I'll probably run like five lineups and they'll be in all five. Yep. I agree with that. And 
man, I think we've said it all and done it all. I think that that's about going to cover it for episode 189, a live stream edition of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover, Joey's at Joey Carrion, and we will be back on Thursday with a make first Make sure you look. subscribe to the channel. Yeah, make sure you subscribe to the channel, the YouTube channel, if you haven't already. And, you know, about to be at 350. 350? We're almost there? Three subs away from 350, if you're watching this. That's vibes, man. Make sure you guys sub to the channel. If you're listening out there, if you're viewing out there, just know that we appreciate you and we value you. Live stream tomorrow? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. But maybe. We could do it around this time. Talk to you guys next time.